Wow, God's good. God is good. Happy Father's Day. Quick dad joke. My son Luke is really glad that I named my children after Star Wars characters. My daughter Chewbacca, not so much. We all love dad jokes, don't we? Don't we? I accidentally mixed some holy water with my laxative this week. I'm about to start a religious movement. (laughs) There we go. Anyway, moving on quickly, moving on quickly. Yes. Happy Father's Day. Let's pop the first slide up there, Manny. Move me on before I get myself more in trouble. Um, Because behind every man who believes he wears the trousers, there's a woman who selects those trousers for him. Isn't that right? So, yeah. Ooh, yes, bad, another bad dad joke. Okay, so today, um, with a little bit of a nod to Father's Day, but actually this is for all of us, whether you are male or female, it doesn't matter whether you're a dad or a mom or, or whatever. What we're about as a whole community of God's people is that we get as generations of people together to display the Father, to display the incredible heart of God. And that's what we did yesterday with Love Stortford. We went out as a whole community. There were little kids filling their bags full of sweets to give away and some to keep for themselves. And, uh, and there was lots of, lots of different generations getting out there, giving away gifts, meeting people in the street, telling them that Jesus loved them. And it was all generations on mission together. And it was beautiful and it was impacting. And I think our town really felt the presence of the king of love. That's what it was all about. Because Jesus came to do several things. He came to deal with sin, came to deal with all that stuff that would kind of keep us separated from him. And that's what was demonstrated so perfectly and beautifully for us this morning. All of the stuff All of the dirt, all of the things that we regret has been washed away by the perfect blood of Jesus and they come out of that water in new life. Clean, fresh, free from sin. Jesus came to deal with sin. He came to disarm the enemy, which is why yesterday as our team were down in the park, they were able to pray for people who were suffering and who come with various sicknesses and they were saying, I want freedom. We have this beautiful picture over here of birds flying free and chains being broken off off ankles. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one that would keep you and I bound up and locked up in chains. And then the third thing that Jesus came to do was to display for us what the perfect father is like. Because God could not display his heart as father without a son. It would be meaningless for me to say I'm a father if I had no children. But it's, it's the fact that Jesus was the perfect son who pointed to the perfect father and gave everyone the opportunity to say, ah, that's what God is like. I thought he was all kind of fusty and religious. Again, the R word, no. Our father is not like that. He is joyful. He is full of life. He is full of hope, full of joy, full of kindness, full of gentleness, full of goodness, all the stuff. And so we say, I surrender to that. I'll surrender to that any day of the week because it's beautiful, because there's life. There's life in the Father. And so as generations of children, young men, older men, and old men, and the ladies, 
we get to demonstrate what the Father is like. I saw something fairly recently, and this is a monarch butterfly, and I don't know, I, I don't know a lot about zoology, but I saw this really interesting fact, and um, you look it up on that well-renowned source of all truth, Google. Um, but monarch butterflies migrate from Mexico to Canada, and then from Canada back to Mexico, and probably other places too, but this is where the article, article was about. They don't do it in one generation. They do it in four generations. So the first generation of monarch butterflies leaves Mexico and starts heading north, and then the next generation takes on. And the previous generations died off, so these guys don't know where they're going, but they keep going. And then the next generation take on, and then the next generation take on. We will not reach our generation or fulfill our destiny as a people in one generation or with giving all our focus to one generation. We love our kids, our little tiddly-tiny kids. We love our teenagers. We love our middle-aged generation. We love our elderly generation. Together, we will display the glory of God. We'll not do it one generation. We need four. We need four. And so what I want to do today is look at just some of the characteristics of a people who will display the Father. What are we called to be like? And I want to read to you some words from um, John chapter 13. This is a well-known passage where Jesus goes and he washes the disciples' feet. So I'll just read to you a few verses from this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he showed them the full extent of his love. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot to, be to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God and he would go back to God. So he got up from the table and he went across and he sat on this perfectly crafted throne that someone had put in the room and he said, disciples, come and serve me. No, he didn't do that. He took off his robe. He stripped down to probably very little, wrapped a towel around himself, got a bowl of water, and he went and he washed, began washing his disciples' feet. What my goodness. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you seriously going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No way, said, said Peter. He protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, bring you into new life, clean, pure, perfect, you will not belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head and everything, Lord, just, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet. He's entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. A few verses forward to verse 15. Jesus says to them, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So, characteristics of a people who display the Father from that little passage. Verse 1 is where we see this. Fear does not dictate our limits or our boundaries. 
Because it starts out there in verse 1, and it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world. Jesus knew that the cross was right in front of him. It was days away. He knew that he was going to be nailed to a cross. He knew that he was going to take the punishment for all sin for all time and be hung on a cross and left to die. Now, if it was me in that moment, fear would have paralyzed me. Fear would have stopped me from thinking about anything or anyone other than me. And I'd have been locked up in that place of complete torment. And, oh God, please, no, please, no. But what does Jesus do? He says, fear is not going to stop me. Fear of what lies ahead of the, for us, it's the unknown. For him, it was the very clearly known. Fear is not going to paralyze me. Fear is not going to stop me. We don't give way to fear. But what we do instead is we allow perfect love to come and cast out fear. The perfect love that comes from the Father, the perfect love that we have been worshiping and celebrating this morning comes from God and displaces fear from our hearts. I don't know about you, but when I... When I pray, when I go through different seasons in prayer, sometimes I'm just like talking to God and asking for stuff and, and having a conversation and it's all kind of easy. And then there's seasons when there's fear grips my heart over some issue, some problem, something that has come in. And what I tend to do in those moments is I very intentionally choose to focus on my heart connection with my heavenly Father. And I say, Father, sometimes I just get to the first line of the Lord's Prayer. My father, my father, you are my dad. You are my, you are my father. You are my dear father. You know me. You love me. And I just kind of remind myself of these things. Because focusing on the fear is not going to remove the fear. It's a little bit like when you're driving your car and the, the fuel warning light comes on and you realize you're running close to empty. You don't just go, oh, oh, it's empty. It's, em it's empty. Uh, it's empty. It's empty. Uh, or you get a bit of masking tape and you stick it over it and go, it'll be all right, but I know it's empty. You don't focus on the fear. You don't focus on the empty. You focus on where's the solution? Where's the source? Where's the petrol station? I'm going to fill up. And so if you are sitting here this morning and you're experiencing fear and limitation in your heart, lift your eyes from the fear and limitation and lift your eyes to the one who will fill your heart with love and who promises that his perfect love will cast out your fear. It's what he wants to do. Look at these verses from Isaiah. This is chapters 43 and 54 mashed together a little bit. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Almighty God, who set the stars in space, knows your name. He's called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my eyes and I love you. The mountains may depart and the hills may be shaken, but my love for you will never leave you. That's God speaking. A few years ago, I, I read an incredible little book called Abba's Child by a, an author called Brennan Manning. And he quotes the, these verses. And then he says the following. Let us pause here. It is God who has called us by name. 
The God beside whose beauty the Grand Canyon is only a shadow has called us beloved. The God beside whose power the nuclear bomb is nothing has tender feelings for you, Colin. Has tender feelings for you, Jane. Tender feelings. Put your name in that sentence. The God who flung stars into space, who knows every hair in your head, who created all that we live and breathe in the midst of, knows you by name, says, I love you. I will never stop loving you. Nothing you can do will stop me loving you because it's his nature. He is not dependent upon us. That's why we do love Stortford, not perform Stortford. You need to know that you don't need to perform. You need to know that you're loved. Loved. Completely, perfectly, perfectly loved. Second thing, Jesus is not passive, but he is active and he is generous. I kind of made a joke as I read my way through those verses. Jesus could have easily just sat back and gone, you know what, I'm the king of the universe. Uh, You guys come and serve me. I'm just gonna chill because I got some tough days ahead. Yeah, come on. But what Jesus does is he actively engages with those around him, and he is generous in his heart towards his disciples. He gives, he gives, he gives. Now, I think COVID, the last season that this nation and the nations of the world has gone through, has pulled us as a people, as a a generation, deeper into individualism than perhaps we've ever been before. And it's been all about me. Serve me. Help me. It was typified by the great toilet roll shortage of 2020, (laughs) where everybody was petrified that they'd run out of loo roll. But to a degree, that hasn't really left us. It's kind of caused a deep wound in in our souls. And he wants to move us out of self focus and into focus on others, serving people around us, loving people around us, seeing opportunities to be generous and saying, I have a solution. I have a gift for you. I have something that the Lord God has has given to me that I want to pour out. I want you to have what I have been blessed with. And if I can be cheeky for a moment and just do a little bit of internal CCBS family stuff. If you're a visitor, if you're new to us, ignore this next little bit. But for us, I want to provoke us out of the cage of individualism, out of the cage of I will look after myself and what I have is my own, and provoke our church family this morning again to remember that God has given us the opportunity to step into freedom actively over one of the biggest things that holds us down, and that is the love of money. This is not a comfortable point to make, but I believe it wholeheartedly, so I will make it. And I believe actually for some of us, it is stepping out in obedience that will set us free because we we can live our lives in a cage and we can hear that freedom is out there, but if we don't ever actively step out into it, we may not experience what that freedom looks like. One of the things that we um, believe and teach actively here at Community Church is that we tithe that we give a 10% of what God has given us. We pour it back into his kingdom. 
These are verses from Malachi chapter 3. Bring all of the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple, says God. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Do you hear the promise? Do you hear God's heart? It's not give me your money because I want it. It's open your heart to me so I can open the windows of heaven over you. I want you to live under wide open blessing. Wide open blessing. I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not have enough room to take it in. And this is not like, oh, with every five pounds you give me, I'll give you five pounds back. It's not that. It's I will bring to you one of the most sought after commodities of my life. I will say, Lord, you are the Lord of not only my life, but my wallet, my bank account. You are Lord. And God says, I see your heart. Let me open the windows of heaven over your life so that blessing, health, prosperity of soul, deep, healthy relationships, all of the, all of the stuff of heaven, he wants to pour it into our lives. So if you're part of this family, I just invite you to actively step out of that cage. If there's fear in your heart about doing so, recognize the last seven words. Try it. These are God's words. Try it. Put me to the test. If 10% scares you to death, 3% for six months, God will prove himself to you. 5% for six months after that, God will prove himself to you. You will see his faithfulness because God says, try it. Put me to the test. And you will step into freedom financially. Do we want to be free from the fear of finances? Connect with the heart of the Father who loves you perfectly and obey his word. End of cheeky point number one. Jesus is secure in his God-given identity. This is a quick and an easy one. He's secure in his God-given identity. What identity are you living in? Somebody says, who are you? Oh, I run a business in London. Oh, I... You know, fill in the blanks. I'm a, I'm a school teacher. Oh, I'm a whatever you are, graphic designer. Whatever you are, whatever it may be. What is the identity that God has given you? That's where we want to live. That's where we want to, to, to make sure that we come back to that place every opportunity we get. It's what, again, Teresa and Claire de um, demonstrated for us this morning and displayed this morning. Their primary identity that they used to live in has gone under the water. I'm no longer that person because Jesus is my Lord, because he has redefined me. I have come up into new life. My primary identity is daughter of the King of Kings. Yes, nothing finer. And you will do all sorts of other things. You will add all sorts of other strings to your bow, different experiences in your lives. But primary identity it's who you are and who he is in you that will carry you through whatever this life has to throw at you. Keeping an eye on the clock and keeping us moving. Jesus was selfless and unconditional in his service. This is verses four and five. This is really the heart of this, of this uh, passage of scripture. So Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Jesus. 
Jesus. The name that is higher than any name. The one who is wrapped in splendor and majesty, seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, forever worshipped, forever to be glorified. He, was, he, is, he is so high, so lifted up, and yet there was not one thing that was too low for him to consider in his service of the people around him. He went low. He went low. In a barefeet nation where people walked and Cattle made their way up the middle of the street. He was literally picking stuff out from between his disciples' toes. Not pleasant. And what I notice about people again and again and again in, in, in the church and in, in Christendom is that when you know that your primary identity is son of God, daughter of God, then nothing is too small, too low a thing for you to serve others in. When that identity is not rock solid in your heart and somebody says, oh, would you mind joining the coffee team and serving coffee at the end of, the, at the end of a, a Sunday morning? You're like, coffee team? Um, I think I should be on the preaching team. Uh, excuse me? Do you not realize the greatness that you are in the presence of? Jesus. Highest name goes lowest. And he doesn't just wash the feet of the disciples that he loved. He washed the feet of the disciple who he knew was about to betray him to death. That's a little biblical mic drop moment there, isn't it? That's, it's so beyond our, our comprehension. What an example of service. How do we represent the Father? We serve. We serve each other. We love each other. We come here not to be entertained, not to, not to sit back in our comfy chairs and go, oh, I love coming to church. Yeah, I'm not so bothered about that. I want you to come. I want us all to, to, to come into this place so astounded, so grateful for the salvation that Jesus has won for us that we walk in here saying, look what he's done for me. What can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can I make your Sunday even better? How can I fill your week with joy and with hope? How can I understand your life so I can pray for you? How, you know, all of the questions that come. Cheeky family point number two. We serve one another. We've got the exciting opportunity in September that we are going to be launching two Sunday morning meetings instead of just one because we're kind of full. And God's adding to us all the time and that is for his glory and for the, for the brightness of his gospel to shine in this, in this town. But that is an opportunity for us to serve one another deeply. We need people on the PA team. We need people on the AV team, musicians. We need stewards. We need welcome team. We need coffee and tea makers. We need this one. This is a big one. This is a big one. Because God has given us an incredible blessing. Did you see all the, did you see all the youth that just streamed out there? That's the tip of the iceberg. You should see the number of kids we got in Super Gang. And that is, you know, part of this multi-generational blessing that God has poured out to us. We got little beautiful kids representing the king 
and they need us to serve them. So I'm standing sometimes there with a yellow clipboard going, do you want to serve? Don't make me come to you. Come, come to me. Come and tell us. Do you want to serve? Once, one week in six, one week in five, something like that, we would love to have you serving with us. End of cheeky point number two. Moving on quickly because the kids are coming in this morning and we're going to send them out onto the streets to bless our town. It's going to be good. So I've got to finish. Right, where we got to? Selfless, unconditional love. We did that bit, did that bit. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, Matt. It's one of those. Um, empowering the next generation, which is exactly what we're heading on to in just a moment. Jesus looked at his ragtag bunch of disciples, and he saw the disciple who was about to betray him. He saw the other disciple, Peter, who, was, who would betray him as well. He saw their brokenness. He saw that they weren't really ready to carry the glory of the kingdom into the world when he was gone. And he said, you know what? Do what I've told you to do because I'm with you. And we want to be a people in this town, in this church body, who are empowering our generations, who are looking at our young people, not as, well, someday you'll get there, but as already you carry the glory of God. Already, little ones, you carry the power of the Holy Spirit. You're, you have yielded your life to Jesus. He resides in you. So when you pray, we expect miracles to happen. And we had one, didn't we? Nod at me, smile at me, yeah? Yeah, a few weeks ago, we had one of our little children brought in a picture that they'd drawn three weeks earlier. They said, there's somebody in here with a gray top and blue pants, or blue top and gray pants, can't remember which, which it was, and they've got a tummy pant, trousers, not pants, yes, good, Americanism. Um, they've got tummy problems. And somebody responded and came up in that moment, and ever since that moment where that little child, little tiddly child prayed, they've been fine. They've been good. And it's, we do not wait until little tiddler is 30 plus because they carry the power of the king of kings. Yes? So we empower the next generation. And that means for us adults, we need to make space we need to create room for those who are as yet unformed and unpolished in their gift. That means I need to create space. I need to set, take this thing off and give it to somebody else and let the youth come through, let the children come through, and we need to be ready to receive unmatured gift rather than coming saying, I want a good preach from someone who's done it for 30, 40 years. Yeah? It bites a little bit, but it's so vital that we empower the generation. So, Susan, are the, are the kids ready? They're coming. Okay, as we close and before the kids come, here's our little declarations for us. As a community of men and women, fathers, grandfathers, whoever you may be this morning, how are we going to represent the Father? We will represent the Father the following ways. Just take a look for a moment identify perhaps the one that speaks to you most clearly. And we're going to just speak these out together, okay? With me. I will represent the Father by refusing to tolerate fear in my life, rejecting passivity, being intentional and generous, 
by finding my security in who God says I am, not in other things, by serving selflessly and unconditionally, and by empowering the next generation. That is how we will see, that is how the town, the people, the communities around us will see something that is altogether different, and they will be they will be drawn to ask us the question, why? Why are you like this? Why do you not do life the normal way? And you're able to say, it's because Jesus has treated me absolutely abnormally. He has poured his love into my life. He has transformed me. He has given me hope. He has given me joy. He has given me freedom. And it was nothing that I did to deserve it. 